We were one point clear after the game at Wolves as far as I was concerned. I definitely didn't count that four point gap as being real. Chelsea uh, resurgent against Napoli at home and a very impressive demolition of a championship side at the weekend but they're not very good are they and I don't think Chelsea at home is a particularly stern test of any serious title contenders anymore. No well if you, if you think United's midfield is weak then uh, Mikel, Morelej and Lampard uh, has got to be one of the worst threes of any of the top side hasn't it I mean uh, Mikel who's made no progress since that 12 million pound move from Manchester United a few years back Lampard definitely on the way and Morelej uh, has never been and never will be a, a top four quality player. Events on the football fields this week I mean, in terms of performances and results and outcomes and league titles and all that thing sort of thing came into sharp relief as a player almost died playing football last week in a really public way absolutely horrific thing to witness and understandably players and fans in absolute shock Fabrice Moamba whose heart stopped beating for 79 minutes apparently which is an awful long time to not have a heart beating and miraculous really if that's the right word that he's still alive yeah and obviously it's wonderful news that he's improving I mean that's what we know as we record this he's talking recognising friends and family and uh, being visited by the great and the good in world football I nearly made an Ashley Cole joke there but it seems inopportune given the subject matter and a mass outpouring of affection and sympathy for a player very well liked at all the clubs he's ever been at really really kind of shocking and sad to see what happens and I, I, I think there's been some pretty horrific stuff going on in you know football football's full of people being stupid and insensitive so it's not particularly surprising but a really kind of touching outpouring of support and sympathy for someone I thought from football community at large yes yes I mean it's uh, it's shocking because no one expects a, an extremely fit healthy young man to drop for absolutely no reason in the middle of the football pitch and, and his heart stopped beating so it, it certainly brings into sort of sharp contrast our own mortality doesn't it I mean we are are uh, neither fit nor young anymore <laughs> and uh, we are still hearts beating I, I believe uh, last time I checked anyway so there's uh, certainly you know put some context to your own mortality I had mixed feelings about some of the the post kind of Moamba coverage certainly the mass media I mean Sky Sports News became unwatchable at some point because it was it was just rolling on Moamba and it, it almost became like the day to day in its yeah. uh, its self-awareness and, and you know that's sky news isn't it so i take that for one thing and and um so so that was one thing i i have to say i began to find that very difficult to watch because it was titillating in it's uh, the tone of its coverage and and then of course that uh, you know get a get a feeling as a result of that i think and i don't think it's you know the kind of individual reactions but of of this kind of diana-esque mass grief and uh, you know you almost felt like sky wanted him to go because it had been an even bigger story then you know and that's a real shame but I think from the football community generally you're right to say uh, very touching there's people players who've probably never heard of him and uh, are prepared to make sort of statements and gestures on his behalf and I guess that's the community rallying round yeah I mean I saw a lot of people being cynical and red issues Twitter feed became a real I mean basically I, I think they're pretty disgraceful Sky Sports rolling rolling news coverage 24 hour rolling news coverage is the worst thing in society basically 
basically. Um, this issue aside, it's it's constantly feeds on scandal and disaster and makes us all feel less safe about the world we live in and, you know, relies on terrible things happening to be relevant in the slightest. So, you know, rolling news is, is awful and, and it kind of always is and is, is unwatchable whenever anything serious happens. I think football is an arena... The reason that people care passionately about football teams, I, you can broadly say, is because human emotion is really difficult to deal with and we externalise and attach it to, you know, ridiculously overblown emotions are attached to football every week when anyone scores a goal. Meaningful shifts in the title race affect the happiness of millions of people. If you're going to externalise your emotional life onto the game that's being played, there's definitely going to be an emotional response to a tragedy that happens within that field. And football gives an expression for those fears and then on on the flip side also gives an expression for the hope that things could somehow be better. Whatever your thoughts on religion one way or another, the fact that the message going out so so prevalently is this thing of pray for Moamba. It's significant that that message exists. So if you're just a cynic and an atheist, then you can just dismiss that as uh, codswallop and that's fine. That's your inalienable right to do so. But on the other hand, it's part of football's role in society to be a focal point for people's inner world. So on on more positive news, I guess, five goals for United at Molyneux. Uh, Wolves there for the taking. I I think five was the minimum United should have scored really in that game. A a proper thumping it was. And Wolves lucky, I think, that United took the foot off the gas to such an extent that the uh, cricket score wasn't run up. Yeah, Ferguson was a bit like, meh, we were all right, you know, which I think is is classic Fergie, really, very professional, as we used that word a lot last week. Um, It was a very professional response from Sir Alex, wasn't it? Let's not get carried away. That wasn't necessarily uh, reflective of the 5-0. But once Wolves had a player sent off, obviously, absolutely rightly so, for particularly that second challenge on the yellow card was a remarkably ill-conceived moment there from a professional footballer. Dumb. It really massively, hugely dumb. No arguments at all uh, could be had. I mean, two definite yellow cards and uh, studs showing for the second one and and it was so late you just got to wonder what was going through the guy's head at the time and he put himself and his team in an awful position I I, I don't think it made any difference about the the final result United were clearly superior but it just made the game easy for United to to keep ripping Wolves apart yeah I mean there's a few scary moments early on where at 0-0 Wolves had a couple of chances Stephen Fletcher had a very kind of guilt edge chance almost and didn't quite make the proper connection with his header but then yeah when United got control of that game it was it was absolutely all over and it's interesting uh, you wonder whether they'll live to regret not smacking a couple more I mean 5-0 it's kind of greedy to want more goals isn't it but they they seem to be there for the taking yeah for the very long periods of that second half United went very easy on Wolves I thought I thought there's balls being passed around and obviously absolutely zero pressure coming from Wolves for most of that second half and a brief period about 10 minutes ago when they rallied United could have scored a lot more it, I think I kind of, in a way I was kind of disappointed and I think that's that that is what sparked Ferguson's reaction after the game that United dropped the le- the level of intensity yes the game was won but goal difference really could make a difference I mean there's one point in it now and City have a four goal advantage so another another few from United could have made a real difference and this was one of those games when you, you felt that United could have really racked up a ton of goals actually one player who really did want a goal was Wayne Rooney of course who looked incredibly frustrated to not be able to get on the score sheet yeah man of the match Wayne Rooney yeah which was a bizarre decision wasn't it I actually had a tweet off somebody that questioned 
questioned the selection of uh, Rooney as man of the match saying that he, he felt it was really deserved and that Rooney had been quite instrumental pulled a lot of strings and you know made a big made a big difference to the game very involved in some of the goals but just watching the game to me it looked like Antonio Valencia was kind of man of about three matches just from that one yeah yeah I mean Rooney had a fine game he, he yeah, you're right he dropped deep he pulled the strings he was United's creative playmaker with Paul Scholes so deep and he, he had a fine fine game I thought but Valencia was just outstanding and uh, I thought that was a difference I mean for a man who's been out for a month and, and clearly must be short of sharpness match fitness and, and all of that he was he was simply brilliant I mean the, the poor guy at left back for Wolves didn't stand a chance I didn't think every time Valencia got the ball he looked dangerous aside from his fantastic goal on the break he, he got two assists as well and just all round play was excellent and provides loads of good protection and cover for Rafael at right back he still looks inexperienced at times doesn't he so I mean I, w- I wouldn't be surprised at all if Valencia plays the most of the games during the run-in because Ferguson trusts him and, and Young and Nani and whoever else will have to rotate on the left wing yeah absolutely and I, I really just love having an out and out winger up there it's wonderful it's just like this awesome throwback to the way things used to be in football because you know the, the dominant kind of wide players in recent years have become increasingly central Ronaldo Right, Classic yeah. example. Yeah, it's it's interesting that uh, two Premier League games in a row now, Ferguson has played a kind of lopsided four four two ish with Welbeck in in one of the wide positions. Start started out on the left against Wolves, started out on the right against West Brom, but but really both times drifted into centre with Rooney dropping deep, and and it was Ashley Young against West Brom, but Antonio Valencia against Wolves providing the real out ball and the the width for United. I mean, if if Wolves had been a better side, of course, uh, you'd counter that by closing in. And going a bit tighter, I guess, with your your right back and your two central defenders, but but of course they're simply not talented enough or tactically aware enough. Don't really have a manager of any note doing anything at the moment. Although I do think the criticism of Terry Connor is is you know, extremely unfair, given he's had four games uh, in the hot seat at the moment. Yeah, and, and really the criticism of Terry Connor is that it was extremely stupid to sack Mick McCarthy. That's that's what it comes down yeah. to. Um, Valencia's goal, I, I just loved it. I, I just had just recently read an interview with Dennis Burkamp in the first issue of The Blizzard and it's a wonderful thing that interview because he talks in great depth about the thought processes involved in some of his most magical goals it's a really interesting thing and he, one of the things he came back to a few times was it's all about three touches it's all about a first touch controlling the ball a second touch generating the opportunity and a third touch finishing it and Burkamp often did that in relatively tight spaces but Valencia basically did that in half the length of the pitch it's a wonderful ball to start the the counter a, a kind of long ball into space trusting Valencia's pace but he, he took one touch and, and controlled it then a second touch and it, it went further than you would think you would traditionally want to kick the ball away from you but there was no one anywhere near him to stop him doing whatever he wanted and a, a gorgeous finish on the third touch uh, fantastic and also brilliant to see Welbeck and Cheech both get on the score sheet uh, a couple more goals to Chicharito's tally he could have had more of course so you think of the looping header that could have dropped over Henry in the Wolves goal and, and a couple of other chances and he looked bright so it's the second game in a row that Hernandez has looked bright and, and he could be a real asset for United in the closing game I mean it's, it's hard to pick a front two isn't it and a, and a formation that that's the best one right at the moment but fortunately with Nani coming back as well United have a pretty full complement of attacking players at the moment of course one player who wasn't part of that complement was D- Dimitar Berbatov again left out of the squad entirely yeah and 
I, you got me to rewrite a piece that I'd written for Rant Monthly to, at the beginning of the season, uh, well, a month or so into the season about about Dimitar Berbatov, reflecting on how the season so far has gone. And, and yeah, he's fourth place by a mile, isn't he? Not even in Fergie's thinking, really. It, it doesn't appear. I guess we'll see him again at some point if injuries necessitate it. But if no one gets injured, I mean, he, he had th- he did have three strikers on the pitch. So, you know, he had a lot of options, didn't he? So perhaps he wanted to save those spaces on the bench for other people. But it does seem a little pointed. The word is that Bobtov is not being punished in some way. But clearly, he's a man who has no future at United. Manager and uh, players agent have both confirmed that in the past week or so so he's he's definitely going the end question mark now is whether United activate that clause and, and try and secure a transfer fee or, or whether they just let him go for free and it's a real shame for a for a player who is, is so hugely talented if even if he hasn't always been productive for United to not even make the bench seems to say quite a lot and especially when Park's on the bench a man who really isn't anywhere near not in the same sport when it comes to talent is it but, uh, but there you go yeah you're right folks and just decided just as I suppose in the Champions League final when he decided the owner was a better option he decided other people were a better option uh, for this particular game and of course we, we saw Paul Pogba again United now trying to convince the player to stay uh, on the basis of him being in the first team pitcher so all of a sudden he's getting a 20 or 30 minutes in almost every game at the moment yeah three in a row for Pogba just three in a row and also every time he comes on as a substitute City lose so if he if he keeps that up I don't know why they didn't try and arrange a reserve fixture to get Pogba just to come on as a substitute so City could lose. Interesting theory. You mentioned the Paul Scholes Masterclass, Ed. Well, uh, 100 passes, 98 on target. Uh, well, depending on which stats you read, some said 98 with 97 on target, but no, there you go. Whatever. Uh, he barely put a pass wrong uh, in the entire game. Part of that, of course, was there was absolutely no pressure on him. He, he, it was like he was playing a game of beach football. He was just kind of strolling around, kicking it to his mates, and, and uh, it was so easy. Uh, we've talked in the past about how if uh, him and Michael Carrick are put under some kind of physical pressure, it, it can cause problems for United, but there was absolutely no chance of that happening against Wolves. No pressure whatsoever. He could pick every pass he wanted. It is extraordinary. Okay, so when Skulls came back, the general gist was, oh my God, it's Paul Skulls. That's wonderful. Oh my God, it's Paul Skulls. This is absolutely terrible. What are we doing? Have we really... yeah. Well, desperate, I think, was the word that, that was used. And and, and uh, I agreed. I think we agreed, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, there was, there were, you know, no room for revisionism now. I, I thought, well, this is terrible. He'd looked really out of sorts at the back end of last season. And um, it just seemed to be Glazonomics writ large. Yeah. Uh, and also rather odd, given some of the midfield resources that weren't being used. But, I mean, he's transformed our season. There's that picture been going around of the Sky Sports graphic of our results in the league since Skulls came back that was before the Wolves game and it's just like 1-1-1-1-1 draw 1-1-1-1-1 you know we, we've not lost in the league with Skulls 9 games 8 wins and 1 draw in the time like this all Premier yeah. League of course in the time that Skulls come back yeah the 3 losses in Europe we didn't play in any of those games so uh, we'll forgive him those well one of the things that's absolutely remarkable about it is how terribly badly other teams have dealt with his presence in the side right I can't think of a game when he's been but even the Norwich game where he really wasn't put under much pressure either and surely look this is a guy who's 36 he admitted himself that his legs had gone he he can't get about the pitch anymore he basically stands in the center circle put him under some physical pressure that surely that is the answer because if you let
let him have the ball, he, he's as good as anyone on the planet with the ball at his feet. But it's re- quite remarkable. No one has been able to deal with I it. I wonder whether it's that it's actually not that easy because he's changed his game in a way that he hadn't managed to by the end of last season and or this, in the six months his legs have come back to some extent because his passing's really quick as well you know, he gets the ball out of his feet really quickly whenever there's any sniff of pressure coming towards him oh yeah, perfect way well, you talked about the three touches perfect first touch every time yeah, from Paul right Scholes. exactly and they're kind of reticent to pressure him because in pressuring you leave space behind yourself and if there's anyone that's going to find that space behind the player pressuring him it's Paul Scholes and you say he sort of sits in the centre circle which he does but occasionally he then breaks into the six-yard box with devastating effect and scores an amazing crucial goal. As he did against Norwich. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's just, it is just an absolute delight to have him back. And if it's only good for this season, if next season we see basically a repeat of last season, which some good performances early on and then really falling away as the legs get more and more tired. And even if we get overhauled by City it's still been absolutely phenomenal to have him back it's been a just a pure footballing heartfelt joy to have Paul Scholes in the side being effective again and that Bilbao standing ovation for Ryan Giggs it gives you that perspective you know we've we've had one of the true all-time greats at Man United for his entire career and it's just a joy to have a little coda which has has been so impressive yep uh, he certainly has been and, and you'd expect he, he'll play most of the game towards the end of the season now I mean United don't have played two games in a week at all really I mean uh, I'm trying to think when the next midweek game is I've got eight days well from the last fixture eight, eight days until Fulham so he'll certainly play against Fulham I would think another week until the game after that there's uh, I think we have seven weeks and six games before we play Manchester City so it's not exactly a packed schedule no FA Cup no Carling Cup no European anything so it's just the Premier League and, and Skulls will play most of those games, I think. Yeah, I mean, injury aside, I don't see why he isn't going to play every single game. Yeah, yeah. Well, talking of injuries, finally the injury crisis seems to be easing. We thought it was and then suddenly had a whole rash of injuries. Smalling smashed his head open twice. Phil Jones got a rather nasty cold and Nani hurt his ankle and Valencia did too. But uh, Nani should be back for Fulham. He's back in training, so he could well find a place on the bench. Phil Jones recovered from his man flu. And uh, Nemanja Vidic says that he will definitely be back in time for July, so he'll he should be okay for uh, pre-season yep fingers crossed which is great news isn't it great news I mean it's always hard to play in his 30s has a, an injury that serious it, it's going to be uh, interesting whether he comes back as the same player again there's always a fear that he might lose that half a yard of pace which would which can be devastating for a central defender but uh, fingers crossed he'll come back as good as ever talking of United central defenders how did we not mention the fact that Jolly Evans scored against Wolves had a fine game as well I mean he, there's no doubt he's in the side on merits uh, it's all performances at the moment from Evans he, he looks very calm he does the right things uh, all the time I haven't seen him bullied in a game for months and months and months which of course was the criticism labelled at him last season a fair one I, th- I think uh, he, he makes a lot less mistakes than he has done in the past he's just maturing into a fine central defender I'm not sure I'd put him in the same bracket in terms of classes Ferdinand and Vidic not yet anyway he's going to have to step up another level but but uh, the fact that he's cut out uh, the errors arguably you know his best passing central defender now certainly his distributions improved a a hell of a load and a goal first in 150 games wonderful to see absolutely wonderful and the lovely Carrick Evans combination uh, the 10-11 boo boys combining to score in 11-12 I mean 
his renaissance is a thing to behold two weeks in a row match of the day two have done a little my god Johnny Evans is amazing now feature and it's wonderful that it, it was kind of capped off with a goal because you say he's not quite in the same class as Rio Vidic yet and fair enough no one is it's a bit like saying no midfielders in the class of skulls you know Rio and Vidic are two of the best central defenders in history quite literally uh, and as a partnership they're second to none in recent years in my view but Johnny Evans is is making us not miss Nemanja Vidic that much and I certainly didn't think that that would be a sentence I would ever say yeah you're absolutely right about that yeah I mean Evans has really stepped up yeah really has and it's it's extremely promising for his future development I have to say like it's not necessarily guaranteed that it's going to continue at this pace but if it does then that notion that Jones and Smalling are our de facto replacement Rian Vidic really does go out the window because one of them is going to have to you know neither of them should be at central defence ahead of Evans at the moment and it's it's going to be a little while before they do if he manages to keep any of this kind of form well, yes, I mean, United will need all those players, though. I mean, Fernand's not getting any younger, and we don't know what will happen with Vidic. I mean, he just might not be the same player at all, so that's there are big question marks there. Ferguson, I mean, been doing the rounds this week that uh, United are after Nathaniel Klein. That is not a new one at all. I uh, hate to blow my own trumpet, but I did call it. Not even on United's website, on the ever-high-quality goal.com. Some people don't quite agree with that statement. <laughs> and no one that doesn't work for goal.com agrees with that statement. Months ago, anyway, yeah, in actual fact. So, but uh, yeah, a, b- a very good player actually, Nathaniel Klein. I think he would be a, a good addition if that one is, does follow up. And I, I suspect it's uh, already been done. Actually, I mean, he's out of contract, so it'll be a it'll be a tribunal fee, or they'll agree a fee, and it'll be in the low millions. And so, uh, fits the profile of kind of player that United want to bring in, young, English, uh, and cheap. He'll provide some competition at right back, and I would expect to see Jones and Smalling playing more often in the centre of defence next season perhaps depending on how Raphael and and the new entrant get along so last week we didn't manage to get to many Twitter questions so I promised listeners we'd do a bit of a Twitter question special this week and get through a bunch of them so if you're ready Ed I'm gonna start firing them at you go for it have you got some good ones I I think I've got some excellent ones starting with an absolute belter of an ethical dilemma from Seven Cantonars excellent podcast at office underscore monkey says if a company came in tomorrow and offered a hundred million pounds for the naming rights to Old Trafford would you take it no it's not even that difficult I mean so d- talk about a poster for the Glazer era no what why what, what because United need the money no because it would be the right thing to do no definitely not the only argument would be that United are stuck for cash because the Glazer family piled on hundreds of millions of pounds of debt onto the club and therefore this would help United out which of course would be nonsense as well because it would just allow the Glazers to suck another hundred million pounds out of the club and and dump it onto the debt that they created in the first place so we'd now be playing at the Coca-Cola Dome and still be in hundreds of millions of pounds worth of debt and and just another piece of United soul and history would have been flushed down the toilet by the carpet bagging Glazer family so no was my very long answer to that not very difficult ethical question what if it was a hundred million pounds for transfers it was a hundred million pounds go straight in the kitty to be spent on players yeah but that's not realistic and and even 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 if it was I mean even if you want to stretch this out and say it was definitely going to be for transfers for what reason I mean so what we could be a city mark two I mean 400 million pounds of players they had on the pitch uh, not one of them really wants to play for city they play for the cash so I, I don't think so I mean United is a wealthy club uh, in part uh, a very wealthy club because of the longevity uh, of massive support uh, in part because of the success 
success of the Premier League as a whole in part because United were the first to commercialise and in part because the, the Glazer family and their Mayfair based commercial team have been so successful at squeezing money out of you know random telephone companies the world over so the only reason United uh, would even consider a deal like that would need to have a deal like that is because there's there's still 490 odd million pounds worth of debt hanging on the club um, accruing at 8.25% interest or coupon the coupon on that is eight and a bit percent per year so i don't think it's a difficult ethical question at all i'd rather see united sink out of the top four than than start resorting to selling part of the club off i mean what next you know we'll sell the badge let's uh let's have some kind of hybrid manchester united stroke coca-cola badge perhaps we could rename the club the walkers Criffs devil rays it, it, what what's left after that well, what's left now? You go and sit in the Stretford End and you look straight out and what you see is a massive Nike swoosh. You see a shot of Alex Ferguson on the bench. He's sitting on an Audi-sponsored chair. The players are in training wearing DHL-sponsored gear at the name of Global Finance Company on a badge and it's more by luck than judgment that this one hasn't been massively contributory to plunging the whole world into global financial collapse like the last lot were. You know, what's in a name? Uh, 125 years of history. Well, we're about 100 at old Trafford so that's it's important it's part of the identity of the club the very identity of the of course it, it would never happen because of that very reason that nobody would ever call it the coca-cola dome it would always be old Trafford just as the good fans up at Newcastle have rightly ripped down the ridiculous uh, sports direct at St James's Park sign and defaced it uh, so I would hope the United fans would not that I'm promoting criminality uh, i must get that disclaimer in but i'd hope something similar would happen if the glazer family ever did that i mean they promised they wouldn't do instead what they did was actually sell carrington to their ultimate parent company and squeeze some extra money out that way so you know it's not actually it's almost uh, decoupled from the club now so you wonder what might happen uh, with that down the line but uh, I, I, even the glazer family aren't dumb enough to go down that route talking of questions that might be quite easy to answer would del piero be a good summer signing from abdullah hosseini no but Funny, we had a question last week from Doran, Doran, didn't we? Doran Solomon on Twitter uh, asking whether we'd need a fourth choice strike. And I was just thinking about this tonight when I was watching the game and uh, just trotting out some notes on, on the fact we do need a fourth choice striker. Berbatov's going. Machado will, will be sold. And if not sold, definitely loaned out. Probably sold. Diouf has already gone and, and it will be an absolute uh, miracle, stroke disaster, depending on your point of view, if, if Michael Owen gets another contract. So United do need a, another striker. Uh, I can't imagine that it'll be del piero i mean he's 37 or something along those lines perfectly fits in with our age profile then. yeah right it'd be difficult to come in as a striker into the premier league at that age i'd say and and uh, he's kind of tended to drop even deeper and as his career's gone on with juve one club man and all of that and it doesn't doesn't definitely doesn't play every week with juve so that's why he's leaving i i no. is it Definitely not going to happen. I, I would suspect he'll either go to a smaller ranked club outside of Italy or, or he'll end up in the States or Dubai or China or one of those. Yeah, no, absolutely. What sort of striker do you think we might get? I mean, you said last week, free. Is there anyone that you can think of? No, off the top of my head. I haven't got to that paragraph of the notes I was <laughs> writing yet. No, I think they'll go for within the profile, though, that uh, I mentioned a bit earlier. He'll, he'll be young uh, and, and probably not that expensive, you know, uh, under 10 million, certainly, I think. I, I think that's probably what they're looking for. I mean, they've got three established strikers in Rooney, Welbeck and Hernandez that, that we know can perform at the top level. So I think the next one will be a young one. Will Keane in the reserves, not quite ready to step up. There isn't really anyone else uh, ready to 
do that job so I, I think they'll bring in a player in the summer I wonder if Will Keane I mean obviously he's not ready to be challenging three really excellent centre forwards I mean we're, we're kind of spoiled for choice already with those, with those three uh, Rooney and one one of the other two I mean like the fact that Chicharito's come back into goal scoring form again and, and just when I was looking at that Berbatov article looking back at this season so far Hernandez's contributions uh, have just been vital on several occasions uh, and as you said so many times who would you want to nick you a goal if you need one 10 minutes before the end of a game right. and, and Welbeck has, has done such a good job of leading the line in a 4-5-1 interplay with Rooney when we have kind of more advanced attacking midfielders when Cleverly was playing well earlier in the season linking up with Welbeck you know really promising stuff so perhaps Will King could be used as a fourth because you don't he's not going to play that many games he still gets to play a lot of games in the reserves and continue his development and you know the only downside is he can't go on loan and play week in week out at a higher level no, he'll, he'll go to the championship and I, I'd be really surprised I mean if, if you were talking about Keane as a fourth it'd, it'd purely be about finances that one uh, and right. he just wouldn't right. play enough and uh, I would think the temptation for Ferguson would be to, to leave him in the reserves and just dump another midfielder on the bench so I, I really can't see it happening I'd be really really surprised I'd be, I'd be equally surprised if Machado's still at the club I mean I suppose there's an argument to say that if United can't find the kind of player they, they're after in the market that he would could come in as a fourth choice but he's, he's just had three utter disastrous seasons hasn't he I mean yeah. the back end of last season at Sampdoria relegated scored one goal in 19 games and, and barely played in the early part of this season injury and being like eighth choice striker in a massive clutch striker United has and, and, and then this disastrous move to QPR I mean he moves to QPR and about two seconds later Mark Hughes takes over and signs a couple of strikers and he's not even getting a look in so there you go and uh, Cisse scored against Liverpool in their, their comeback uh, to beat Liverpool at Loftus Road and, and uh, you can't <laughs> see Machado getting much of a look in next season if he was at the club so he probably won't be no and his first touch is missing presumed left behind in Sampdoria somewhere yeah um, and there's this, is... this kind of feeling with Machado that he thinks he's entitled I think that kind of came out in some recent tweets where he's he's quite clearly tweeting about the fact that he wasn't even on the bench for QPR and then tried to pretend it was something else nothing to do with football and were fined by the FA of course for a homophobic tweet where he claimed that instead of saying you stupid gay he meant to say you stupid guy and interesting that A and U are absolutely nowhere near each other on the keyboard. The FA did not give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. Uh, we, we could see whether it was, you know, tweet deck for Android and if he was using the swipe keypad, crazy things can happen. Talking of crazy things happening and football being played tonight, uh, Man City bringing in Tevez. How do you think this will affect their title chances? Asks at Jack Hawkins 23. I mean, just what a shower Man City are. I mean, you know, I'm not really into slagging off fans of other clubs because I think basically all football groups of football fans are in one way or another culpable for great stupidity and all that kind of stuff and it's not like United fans are a paragon of moral excellence or anything but the homecoming for a player who's been on strike for an entire season where they're challenging for the title for the first time in forever it's just bizarre it, it really is and what a what a hero what an example to young players what a got off the bus there was a cheer he came onto the pitch to warm up before the game there was sort of cheer 
stroke jeer. I, I was like almost felt sorry for him for a second. I was like, pray for Tevez, the poor fella. But uh, but then of course he got a rousing reception when he came on and and unfortunately played a crucial part in the the winning goal for City. And uh, uh, yes, a shower is uh, is a good term, and he's the leading member of that particular group, isn't he? And, uh, just incredible, really. I mean, I, can you imagine Ferguson Ferguson forgiving a player? I mean, uh, uh, of course you could draw parallels with with Rooney and Rooney saying that he wouldn't sign a new contract and uh, all of that but that 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 was a negotiation tactic and took about 24 hours to resolve this has been six months of Tevez playing golf in Argentina on strike uh, pretending uh, he has moral right on his side and it's only now at this point that City see their title challenge under even greater pressure from United that they've decided all to patch things up and make up and and bring him back into the team I can't imagine that he'll still be at the club after the I mean he's how many times has he asked for a transfer now he's asked for a transfer three times and gone on strike and refused to get off the bench and fallen out of the manager and they still bring him back I mean do you think that he will have a beneficial impact on their running I'm inclined to think that he's more likely to benefit them than not yeah the, the players are all making the right noises aren't they every interview I hear the, the player in question is asked about this and they all say oh it's great to have him back blah blah so they're all making the right noises it doesn't there doesn't appear to be any sort of ruckus in the camp but it might come out we'll see uh, of course you know the first time Terez is yanked off early if he doesn't do what Mancini wants tactically or something like that then then we could have some fireworks but uh, but yeah on balance I think he'll probably be a benefit to the City because he might score a crucial goal or set up a crucial goal as he as he did against Chelsea right I mean it's his his turn and pass to Nasri that created the goal so uh, he is a he is a good player when he wants yeah, to be absolutely and I think he's likely to want to be because you know if there's well, he wants that transfer doesn't he he's got he's got to show that he's got some desire in order to, to get that transfer and uh, presumably you want a big fat check with lots of zeros on at the end yeah I mean and also there's the rumours about his win bonus which are the potential for him doubling his wages at Manchester City if they win the league he, he's been fined more over six months through refusing to play than, <laughs> than almost any City fan or United fan or any other fan will earn in a lifetime yeah, it's it's just incredible, really, and he's uh, he's so rich he can afford to throw it away. But he could become yet richer still. Um, at Dew six three two, that's Dew D E W. It's not a weird religious thing. Who is extremely good at draw something? Incidentally, says numbers really aren't important, but it would be cool to see Valencia in the number seven shirt next season, would it not? Absolutely, I am so on board with Valencia number seven. It just makes sense in my head. He's definitely worthy of that that hallowed number at United a lot more so than its current occupant yeah its current occupant is obsessed with horses and and his stables and his trainer and and his cold and poor poor old Mike pray for Michael Owen he can't, can't even have a lem sip when he's got a cold Valencia definitely deserves it he's earned it he's he's a first choice right winger whatever it, he gives everything he's, there's no pretensions about him he he would be fitting for the shirt yeah start a campaign a brilliant uh, article on Manchester United's official website by Steve Bartram on Antonio Valencia check it out if you haven't already Jude 632 also asks are they definitely thinking of moving the away fans to tier 3 in the Sir Alex Ferguson stand he's worried about having things thrown onto his head an understandable worry they're doing a trial and uh, there'll be about half ish of the third tier of the north stand full of Aston Villa fans in a couple of weeks time and uh, that's a trial with a view to if it works out uh, doing that for all the fans next season I, I presume it I, I mean I don't think this is a fan driven it will be a better atmosphere or anything like that I, I presume it is a financial thing so be able to get you some prime real estate for home supporters presumably 
presumably you'd be able to charge a premium for what is very good seats for most away fans don't get such good seats they have a, a very good spot there on the sort of upper part of south east corner question from at adam Hutenen: why doesn't skulls take the corner given his mythical 40 yard dead balls hits at trees and whittling teammates that's a very 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 good question well he hangs around in the center circle now so if you look at any corner that united take he's hanging back because he hasn't, hasn't got the legs anymore to run over to the corner and hit it of course wayne rooney took a corner from which michael carrick knocked one back and johnny evans scored at the weekend so may, maybe rooney should be taking the corners instead of hanging around the box certainly shouldn't be nani he's had five seasons now nearly five seasons in order to learn how to take corners no. he can't let's just let's let, let's admit that he can't take many fine qualities nani corner taking is not one of them rooney took a fine corner he did indeed and our final twitter question this week thank you very much to everyone who asked and sir if we haven't got to yours what kind of music do you gentlemen lean towards thinking back to your old intro tune you seem to play a lot of hip-hop that's a question from at kofei87 one thing that many people don't know about ed is that he's like a secret massive country and western fan (laughs) this is not true (laughs) no i like a bit of old school rock and and soul you know the original kind from the 1960s yeah i i like both of those types of music i have extremely broad and eclectic music taste i definitely like to listen to a bit of hip-hop if i was to be shipped off to a desert island and i could only ever listen to one genre of music again i think i would have to take motown and chess type 60s era r&b and soul there you go and and paul is of course a massive s club fan so reach for the stars yeah juniors i should add oh man oh the dagger the kicker man when he's down i sang a lot on last week's podcast it's massively divided the rank cast community basically uh, the two camps are reflected by me the view that definitely keeps singing and you of the view that i definitely should never sing again on the podcast and we've so far had about equal numbers of feedback on either side interesting given that i do the editing on this show i i think that ought to rule <laughs> and it will so fulham at the weekend well not even at the weekend monday night we've got a quite a gap between games here for united to rest and recuperate and get all the players back fit and ready and and fulham at old trafford is normally a guaranteed three points isn't it I wouldn't expect it to be any different this time fulham off the back of a shellacking at the hands of swansea last week swansea who played some absolutely fantastic football in that game as well i mean i think one of the wasn't it one of the goals 28 passes before the goal it really I mean it, not even a hint of patronising here they play some really good football and effective too yeah and the brilliant thing about all the analysis of Swansea is that every time I see any of it I keep thinking back to what you were saying in the build up to the Champions League final last season which is the thing about Tick Attacker is that it's an incredibly effective defensive strategy because you have the ball all the time and whenever your opponents have the ball they're exhausted from running after you and, and Swansea are just like really really good proof of that that they're playing this kind of gorgeous football but there's not an ounce of naivety about it it's all kind of nous and actually Brendan Rodgers is doing a pretty much a better job than any other manager other than Sir Alex in the league he's doing a really awesome job interesting thing question asked on goals on Sunday I don't don't know if you I don't always watch it but I caught it at the weekend the argument there was that perhaps this will be a lesson to clubs newly promoted that you can play very good attractive football and survive because there'd almost been a, a theory and proven out by some teams that if you 
came up and tried to play nice football, you were probably going to end up going down. If you came up and launched it route one like Stoke, you'd probably be safe. And, and Swansea have certainly turned that around and, and proven they can be extremely successful. I mean, what were they in the side of the top 10? No fear of getting relegated. A few more points, they'll be on the edge of the European places. They're not going to make it. But, but an incredible first season. Played really good football. Keep the ball. Got some fine players. That The challenge now will be to keep all those good players and not have bigger clubs come along and, and take them away for large wages and big transfer fees. It's a really interesting situation because, you know, they're not superstars by any means. I mean, yeah, they've got some excellent players, but a lot of them, I mean, Leon Britton played for Swansea when they were in the absolute depths, didn't he? And well, the one player they won't be able to keep is Sigurdsson, yeah. who, who's a Hoffenheim player and, and will probably go for a, a sizable fee somewhere else. You've got to think that middle-level, talented, passing footballers are going to be wanting to flock to Swansea because, I mean, if they're not primarily motivated by financial success or whatever if they're not you know going to get a move to one of the big clubs going to a place where all the training's with the ball and there's a really good atmosphere and attacking football is prized and there's like an actual atmosphere in the grounds and in the ground and all that sort of thing it's it's got to be and and an up-and-coming young manager I mean he's the one they've really got to keep I think but he as like when he was being linked with the Chelsea job tongue-in-cheek said you know I want to build a career not destroy it so he's obviously going to stay at Swansea until the the really right job comes along yes he denied that that quote was about Chelsea at all and uh, it was out of context and it was just purely in the context of Swansea I, I wonder whether he had his tongue in cheek when denying it as well yeah fi- fine fine young manager who, who looks like he's building a, a real career for himself there and uh, you hope that, that they seem to be doing building their club the right way that uh, if they have a difficult period at some point next season which they inevitably will have at some point that the the powers that be in the Swansea boardroom don't suddenly panic and fire him for uh, no reason we've seen worse though haven't we you know so this is this is what chairman do they um, especially of the clubs that have come up or are down the lower reaches they, they fire very quickly but but anyway of course a very long discussion about Swansea there and because uh, United aren't actually playing Swansea next week we're playing Fulham so what are your thoughts on this game I couldn't possibly see any kind of scenario where United don't pick up the full three points <laughs> you really don't think you're trying hard enough this is United we're talking about it's not 99 United or anything we have plenty of capability not to pick up the three points Fulham will be hurting they've had periods of playing really well this season they've got some excellent strikers well they've got Clint Dempsey and a bunch of other players you know Fulham have got a chant Pog Grevniak is is scoring goals yeah, for fun absolutely Dembele has gone from being an exciting looking striker to a, a, an outstanding creative midfielder there were plenty of players that could hurt United you just can't can't see how they're going to shut United out though which will be the, the big question of course yeah I mean uh, we just have to hope that our strikers don't have an off day I'm, I'm not predicting a United loss I, I think be a particularly defeatist United fan to predict anything other than a home win in this one but I don't think it's going to be an easy game but I've said that the last two weeks in a row and they've been very easy games so what do I know? I don't think United are going to run up 10 here but but I do think it'll be a comfortable victory. Of course United could be back in second place by then and City beat Chelsea 2-1 on Wednesday night which which, which wasn't a surprise but I, I did think Chelsea would uh, put in a bit more of a shift given that they're chasing fourth. They're their rubbish though. Performance I think. They are rubbish and, and then a City go to Stoke which is definitely not an easy game although Stoke haven't been in great form recently and D- Tony this is an interesting one did you see this Tony Pulis has gotten away with uh, uh, driving nearly 100 miles an hour and uh, this was his 15th not not third 15th 
point on his driver's license so in normal circumstances anyone would be banned and for quite a long time for doing that kind of speed his his lawyer very successfully argued that they couldn't possibly take away his car because they took away his car it might affect his ability to do his job uh, if he couldn't do his job properly stoke might get relegated if stoke were relegated it would cost 60 million to the local community and he couldn't possibly have a chauffeur because the chauffeur might overhear any transfer dealings uh, and then leak them to the press and the magistrate bought this I, you know, if I ever get in trouble, I'm going to find out who that lawyer is because I want him because he's brilliant. He is Avon Barksdale's lawyer off the wire. That's the only possible explanation for this. I mean, you could do anything with that lawyer. You'd never go to prison. Never. Maybe Carlos Tevez should hire him. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Just second to, to Alex Ferguson's, I had a bit of diarrhea. That's why I was doing a ton and a half down a hard shoulder. <laughs> I remember Beckham getting in trouble for his speeding and I think he basically got out of it by flying flashing smile at the police officer who was unable to resist his handsomeness. Is that the same car he was ripping Rebecca lose the new one over? Oh, that's not a nice expression. <laughs> yeah, so speeding manager aside and bullet-like long throws, I'm not sure Stoke will get anything from City, really. I, th- I think I think this is, you, were, you were saying, you know, we could pull away. I, the thing about that Chelsea game, I was just really hoping it wouldn't be a game that swung momentum. A comfortable win for City would have been fine by me because I really did not have many expectations for Chelsea. But going behind and then digging out a win with Tevez coming on, that's the narrative we didn't want to see. You know, that's the resurgent dressing room, or oh, maybe we're champions after all narrative. Yeah, I mean, I, I do see your point there, yes. And, and uh, in a way, that scoring late and getting the winner late will have given them a huge boost. But they are rubbish away from home at the moment, City. So they didn't really... I mean, I know they did play well against Chelsea. They were clearly the better side and deserve the win for, for whatever that means but they didn't look like opening Chelsea up at every moment and for all the attacking players on the pitch there there was something lacking in the final third and that's what's been costing them away from home so going the stoke and they're gonna have to grind out a win not pass out a win and and we'll, we'll see if they can do that big test for City big test I mean it wouldn't surprise me at all if Stoke got a draw out of that one no absolutely well I'd, I'd love that it'd be wonderful if we got a United win and a, and a City draw again then it'd be three points at the top and and that little bit of comfort. We'll see. It's a fascinating season. We'll be saying this every week, probably, unless something shifts and there's a couple of results on the bounce which go our way or their way. Uh, but this one is definitely not all over. And we definitely hope that you'll stay with us for the rest of the season. I courted controversy on the United Rant website earlier this week by putting up the option to donate some money to the Rantcast. We obviously do this for the love, not the money, but it takes a lot of time on Ed's part and a fairly significant financial outlay has been invested in microphones and we're starting to get some listeners now hello everybody so that's got some associated bandwidth cost we're trying to avoid tacky gambling adverts essentially so we're hoping that the Rantcast listening community will be able to pitch in if you could go to unitedrant.co.uk slash donate and chuck a couple of shekels our way that would be much appreciated although having said that you listening is way way enough for either one of us and uh, this is really just a way to contribute if you feel like you want to I see that Mr. C. Tevez of Manchester has contributed a couple of pounds wonderful thank you Carlos thanks thanks Carlitos much appreciated couldn't have stretched to an amount that would have meant that the rest of we didn't have to ask the rest of you for uh, donations well he's a bit hard up at the moment he's just taken a 10 million 
£1 fine. So unitedrant.co.uk slash donate. If you're feeling charitable but not financially, a review on iTunes also helps us out greatly. And we love getting feedback on Twitter at UTD Rantcast for me and at United Rant for Ed. Very good. So before we go prediction it's our usual prediction slot we never get these right well occasionally perhaps perhaps you could count the number of times we've got this right on the palm of a hand or the fingers even of a hand if everyone listening gave us a pound for every time we'd got a prediction right then we would never have to ask for money again on the rank cast if we took those three pounds and then put them on the euro millions and then won three weeks in a row then we'd never have to ask for money again so go on predictions what do you reckon united v for I think that it is going to be 4-1 to Manchester United. Very good. I thought you said it was going to be a difficult game. No, I said it could be. I said I, I think it displays a staggering lack of uh, imagination to suggest that, that, that you can't see how it could be anything other than a United win. We have such a massive capacity to muck things up. Yes. Well, I can't see how it can be anything other than a United win. So I'm on that hubris, I'm going to confidently predict a 3-0 victory for United. Comfortable. I think we'll storm to a 3-0 lead and then ease it off in the last And, half. of course, being as we are playing against Fulham and may have Nani back in the side and certainly at least Valencia what a perfect time to bust out the king of pop 